There's never a dull moment when it comes to Minnesota sports. Rather, it's positive or negative. The Yankees have swept the Twins. Minnesota Sports Chat has you covered. Talking nothing but Minnesota sports all year long. It's time now for the soon-to-be award-winning, if only in his own mind, Minnesota Sports Chat with your host, Ross Brendel. Yeah, that is me. Welcome inside edition number 179 of the soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat, award-winning, if only in my own mind, in my best, Neon Dion Prime Sanders. He is him. I am me, my buddy, Mr. Manny Hill from Jazz 88 here in the Twin Cities and the side hustle at 1500 ESPN and score north in just moments. A reminder, yes, please remember to rate and review Minnesota Sports Chat on Apple and Spotify. I'm already out of breath. Gotta slow down. That's how excited I am to talk to Manny. And please tell your family and friends all about this podcast. If you're consuming this pod In the Score North Taxi Squad feed, I encourage you to subscribe to Minnesota Sports Chat wherever it is that you get your pods. And a big thank you to those who are now finding and consuming this little ditty on the YouTube machine. If you're watching on the YouTube machine, you can see Mr. Manny Hill with his headset. Looks an awful lot like a head coach wandering the sidelines. Can you put that little microphone down for me just... So I can see. Yeah, there you go. Now, now lift it up in anger like you're disgusted about something and throw it like and slam it on the ground like Nick Saban. Yes, please do. Actually, <laughs> actually don't. It's I know. the only one I have. So I and it's the only one I can afford. So, yeah, I was just going to say, ruin it. please actually don't ruin it. I know how expensive these things are. My headphones, not as robust as yours, but also very expensive. Well, let's get right to it, Mr. Manny Hill. We are fulfilling the Manny quota for the month of September. Looking back, I do believe we fulfilled the Manny quota for the month of August. Uh, What the heck did we watch on Sunday, Manny? Was that the 2023 Minnesota Vikings? Could it actually just be the 2022 Minnesota Vikings minus the game-ending magic tricks? Or is it just too early to tell what Minnesota Vikings we saw on Sunday? against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Um, Well, I don't think it was a season-defining game, but it is. I I do think it was a game that in some ways kind of defines the Kirk Cousins era of Minnesota Vikings football for the last five now-plus seasons. Um, You know, you just – this is one of those games that it was close and it was competitive. You had some things – that did not go the Vikings way um, that, you know, lead us, the, the, the fans and the viewers to having discussions about, well, whose fault, you know, whose fault was that interception or whose fault was that, that strip sack or, you know, should Kirk have done this better or, you know, did the wide receiver run the, run the right route, et cetera, et cetera. This is just, that game was just kind of a microcosm of what, the Kirk Cousins era of Vikings football has been. Um, and I, I don't know 
I don't know if it means that the Vikings are going to go six and 11 or anything like that. I don't know if it means that they're going to go 11 and six and win the division. It's one game. Um, but it is a game that, I mean, we've, we've seen that version of the Vikings several times in the last five years. And, um, I don't, you know, that that's the only, that's really the only takeaway I have from it. It's just like, it is what it is. And we've seen this, we've seen this story numerous times. And quite honestly, Ross, I, I expected the Vikings to win on Sunday, but I'm not surprised that they didn't because this is kind of what we've grown accustomed to seeing. What jumps out to me, and I know we do a lot of scrimmages now where the Vikings did scrimmages with the Titans and with the Cardinals. I think they did a grand total of four of them, maybe, maybe two apiece. But the one thing that jumps out to me more so now than ever is that week one in the NFL is really starting to mimic week one of college football. I don't really think you know what you have out of a team until week, well, maybe week two, but probably week three or four because these guys, I know the scrimmages count for something. I'm not saying that they don't. But every team approaches preseason a little bit differently with who's playing, who isn't playing. And when you look at the Minnesota Vikings, I'm not saying this is why they lost. I just don't know how fair or how accurate it is to judge game one when most of those guys didn't play a lick of preseason football. Now, again, you can come back to me and say, yeah, but they played in all the scrimmages. I I get that. I do. And I'm willing to listen to that argument. But a small part of me believes maybe by having no preseason reps by virtually all of your number ones maybe had something to do with it. But then again, I mean, I don't know. I mean, to your point, Manny, we've seen Kirk Cousins' lack of pocket presence burn them before. And I'm not saying him getting drilled early in the game and fumbling is all on him because you had a unabated to the quarterback. I love using that term, which I did just kind of use a little incorrectly, <laughs> but you had a free, you had a free rusher basically get right to him. So that's, that's not all on him, but that also wasn't on his blind side. You know, you should see that guy coming and be able to get rid of the ball. So, and they, and they rushed the Buccaneers rushed more guys than the Vikings had to block. Correct. I mean, the so guys you, that were supposed to block on that play, they all, accounted for somebody yeah they all did their job so you should know you got to get rid of the ball quickly so I mean I don't know is this a to me it's an early sign I thought this team was somewhere between seven and ten and ten and seven because outside of last year and I know it's not all fair to put this on Kirk Cousins but that's the type of teams he tends to lead teams that are right around 500 if you look at his career record so that's why I was leaning to start the year I would say that that reaffirmed that opinion when you start to do the math, and the math is playing the schedule game. I'm not saying you're not going to win against Philadelphia, but it's unlikely. I'm not saying you're not going to beat Kansas City, but it's unlikely. The Chargers, I feel like you have a chance to beat them, but that's a really good offense against what we still believe to be a pretty suspect defense. I don't think very highly of Carolina, but it's a place that typically can be pretty hard to play, and you're going on the road. It's not at U.S. Bank Stadium. The Vikings have played much better as of late at Soldier Field, but I'm still not willing to say the Vikings are going to go there and do exactly what the Green Bay Packers did. So logically, you start to look at the schedule, and you say 
That game against Tampa Bay, if you wanted to get off to a 3-2 and two start or a less than stellar 2-3 and three start just to maybe tread water and stay in it as the season goes on, that game's crippling. Now, Manny, to I guess what I was just talking about and what you were saying about maybe the season, maybe the team's 6-11, and 11, maybe they're 11-6, and six, we don't know. Well, you can start working the math back in your favor if you immediately turn around and beat the Eagles on Thursday night, but... That's really not going to happen, is it? I mean, I just, I don't see many scenarios in which it will. It feels like a classic game where the Vikings will play well, but maybe not be able to do enough to win the game. If it was in Minneapolis, I guess I'd like their chances a little bit to get a turnaround victory on short rest and Philly having to fly halfway across the country. But now you play that game the other way. It's short rest for the Vikings. They have to fly across the country to a place that was tough to play when the Eagles were dog poop terrible. Newsflash, they're not dog poop terrible anymore. They're really good. They might be the favorites in the NFC to get back to the Super Bowl along with the San Francisco 49ers. So it's just... Who also looked fantastic yesterday. They they did, or Sunday. And it's it's just an underwhelming start to the season. It was different. Last year as the season, I, I wouldn't say this in September, but I think as the season went on, we all started to feel this way. Oh, it's close. They'll pull it out in the end. I never had that feeling on Sunday. It just always felt like the shoe was going to drop on the other end, and it did. And the one thing that stood out to me, Manny, and I talked about this on Before I Die with Jesse Pierce and Judd Zolgad, neither team ran the ball well at all. But for the Vikings only to have, I think, what, 41 rushing yards, 43 rushing yards, somewhere in there. I think it was 17 attempts. And the Buccaneers only had 73, but a good chunk of that was in the second half. They were just grinding drives away. Eight minutes and 59 seconds of the of a drive to start the third quarter. The Buccaneers dominated that game from the final. They always talk about the final four minutes of the second quarter, first four minutes of the third quarter. The yeah. Buccaneers turned that into about 13 minutes and they dominated it. They scored two touchdowns and turned the Vikings over at the one yard line. That's really tough to win that way. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. Yeah, and, you know, the the Vikings defensively, I know the second half wasn't wasn't as good as the first, but to they me— They were also consider- always on the field, too. That's, a, that's yeah. another problem. Vikings well, had a lot of yards, but a lot of three and outs. Yeah, and, and, and this is—and and again, this goes back to— that's been kind of the microcosm of the Kirk Cousins era where we start trying to figure out, okay, well, the offense did this much. And so the defense didn't pick up the slack and, and, uh, you know, or the defense picked up their slack and the offense didn't do enough. A lot of times it's always kind of gone somewhere in between those two thoughts. You know what I mean? It's just been, that has been the theme of this, of the last five years. It's it's like a chicken and the egg type of type of discussion. It's like okay, well, how much is how much of it is on the defense if the offense goes three and out to start the second half, you know, or how much of it is on the offense if the defense can't get off the field on third and eight in a given situation. And you know it's it's just it's just frustrating, man. And you know, look, I I thought the defense, considering considering where this defense was a year ago, 
considering that's a new system and you've got a bunch of new players, many of which are young, you'd have one of a guy that is thought to be one of your better pass rushers didn't even play Marcus Davenport. I mean, Daniil Hunter is the best defense or the best pass rusher that they have, but Davenport when healthy is supposed to be another guy that can affect the quarterback in the passing game. Um, he didn't play yesterday or I keep saying yesterday it was Sunday. Um, <laughs> and if people um, care, full disclosure, we're recording this late in the afternoon on Tuesday, September 12th. Yeah. And, and, and so, but I, I thought can, all things considered, I thought the defense overall played pretty well. Yeah, that long drive in the third quarter to start the third quarter um, was was a little bit of a deflator. But also, if you if Ward doesn't jump off sides on the field goal, you know what I mean. That they, the Buccaneers only get three points out of that instead of an actual touchdown. So it, it's just little stuff like that that's always been kind of the problem with this team for the last five years is just little instances where they kind of kick themselves in, in in the shins and it leads to a loss against a team that they should that they should quite frankly dominate I mean the Buccaneers you know you give the Buccaneers some credit I mean they you know Todd Bowles while I don't think he's a great head coach he is a great defensive mind and historically has always had pretty good defenses and aggressive defenses. The Buccaneers were very aggressive and very good on Sunday and, and it affected how the Vikings were able to do, but I just, it, it's just kind of frustrating, man. It, it really is. And you, you just kind of shake your head and it's like, this is probably what they're going to be. I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine. First of all, what they did last year, Winning 11 games by one score, winning 13 games and running away with the division, we're never going to see that again. And I think if people were kind of going on some blind faith that they were going to repeat a lot of that, it's just they're going to be sorely mistaken, man, because that that what they did last year is very hard to repeat. And you you have a roster that still has some veterans, but you have a lot of new young players as well. Yeah, what they did last year was a statistical anomaly, which was basically why I I opened this up by saying, was that the 2023 Minnesota Vikings? Or was it in all reality just the 2022 Minnesota Vikings who weren't able to do that magic trick at the end? Because, yeah, you can say, well, the offense made some moves and got better. Well, that's probably true. Maybe it's true. I guess we'll find out as the season goes on. But it's not realistic to expect that even if they're better, they're going to win all the one-score games. And even if the defense is better, which I think we all believe that it's going to be, that still doesn't mean you're going to win all the one-score games. And the schedule is much more difficult based off of at least the perceived teams you think you're going to be playing. And again, sometimes... And Ross, the the quarterback is older. Yep, 100%. The quarterback is a year older. And no matter what people want to think about... Well, Kirk Cousins and the stats, and and it's not all on him. Look, I know we got spoiled by watching Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees perform at MVP levels into their late 30s, and in the case of Brady, well into his 40s, okay? But more often than not, when quarterbacks get into their mid-30s, it, it they a lot of them start to fall off, man. And, you know... With Brady, Breeze, and Rodgers, like those are three of the top 
I talked about this with Matthew Collard last night on, on our hot routes for, for Purple Insider. Those are you're talking about three of the top six or seven quarterbacks in the history of the sport that did that. The rest of the guys are not more often than not when quarterbacks get to the age that Kirk Cousins is at, they'd start to tail off a little bit. And I don't that it, you know, to 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 go into this season expecting what we saw last year to repeat itself is just asking a lot of a guy that has that has his flaws and he's he's a year older than what he was a year ago. And uh, to go back to the schedule, Manny Hill, I just want to wrap up on this point. You know as well as I do, and most astute sports fans know this, it's not necessarily who you play, but when you play them. Yep. I, I'm not going to take Kansas City's, or excuse me, Detroit's victory away from them. A very impressive victory. Uh, very impressive. Enough enough for me to know, okay, yes, uh, Detroit's probably a playoff team. Do they win the division? I don't know. Are they a wild card team at least? Probably. That's probably going to be a playoff team. But, you know, Tooney's probably not going to take 14 points off the board for KC in another game this year. Also, Chris Jones is now back playing. He didn't play week one. Travis Kelsey didn't play week one. Do you think any one of those three things that I just talked about are likely to happen for the Vikings when they see the Chiefs in a few weeks? No. Kelsey's probably going to play. Jones is going to be on the field. And I'm pretty sure a wide receiver isn't single-handedly going to sabotage the game for Kansas City again, right? So, and they still have, and the Chiefs still have the greatest player in the world. Yes, it's a huge win for the Lions. I'm not taking that away from them, but I don't think any of those breaks that went the Lions' way are going to go the Vikings' way. Maybe they'll get some breaks in other games. Heck, maybe the breaks that the Lions got were the same breaks that the Vikings got last year when Buffalo fumbled the ball in the end zone. The Vikings recovered it, and Diggs made. A historic catch. I think that's here's, all. Here's the question, though, very quickly. Put the Vikings into that spot that the Lions were in on Thursday. Do they? Do the Vikings win that game? Oh, I think you know my answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I, I don't even. And think this was gonna... a team that won. This was a team that won eleven <laughs> games by one score last year. You know, they found a way to do it last year. But I'm looking at what Detroit did, and and hey, hats off to them because they they had something that worked in their favor but i just it i i i have questions on if the vikings were put in that exact same situation with no kelsey and no chris jones and you know receivers dropping the ball all over the place for kansas city do the vikings find a way and win that game i'm not sure yeah i don't, I don't know. know history history says no because they don't historically win many road games outdoors on on natural, on Moore. any they form lost of Matt Moore in Kansas City four years ago. Yeah, I know. I remember it well. Your guy, Matt Moore. Yeah, I'm, I'm always, you. you know, I've always loved you some Matt I've Moore, always been you? a big Matt Moore guy, but you shouldn't lose to him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was a Matt Moore Oregon State guy, not a Matt Moore <laughs> NFL guy. Come on. That, that's a great quote. I've always been a Matt Moore guy, but you shouldn't <laughs> lose to him. Okay. <laughs> that's so. Follow me on this one. Then I got a couple of uh, uh, quick things for you. We'll call it a pod. So, and follow me. It's a bit of a tangled web. We're going to go a long way for this one. But I think some sports fans, NFL fans, have made the jokes that Aaron Rodgers will end up with the Vikings. But it's primarily Vikings fans that make that joke. Yeah. Manny... I think the door may have opened up more last night for that than it's ever opened. 
and follow me on this one, okay? Okay. okay. So Aaron Rodgers' uh, leg falls off last night. He's done for the year. If the Jets go 5-12 and 12 or worse, they're going to have a chance to draft their quarterback of the future again. Yeah. What what GM doesn't want to take that swing of the bat when I think they already feel like Zach Wilson's not that guy? I think they kept him around thinking that Rodgers would shield him for a year or two and maybe he'd be ready to take the reins again in a few years or they could flip him a year or two down the road and still get something for him. I think that's why they held on to him. But let's say you go 5-12 and 12 this year and every pick that you have left is now slotted higher in each round. And then you think, oh, you know, maybe we can't get Caleb Williams, but we really like Drake May, who the Gophers will get a look at this week. And Drake's going to go somewhere between 2 and 5. How can we go from 8 to 3? Well, we'll acquire more capital. How can we get more capital? I bet you the Minnesota Vikings might give us a third and a fourth round pick for Aaron Rodgers for a year or two of Aaron Rodgers. I'm just saying, I think the door's open a little bit, Manny. I don't think anybody's going to give a first round pick for Aaron Rodgers coming off of Achilles surgery. But I think a certain team or two might give a second or third round pick. And if you're the Jets, I get it. You you think your team, it's very similar when the Vikings got Favre. You think it's ready-made to win now. Is it still going to be ready-made a year from now? Maybe it is. But if you're the Jets and your two options are potential franchise quarterback for 10 to 15 years, one year of a potential hobbled and a bit slower 40, 41-year-old Aaron Rodgers, I think people think they're going to lean Aaron Rodgers. I think if you let them sit on it for a year and they go 5-12 and 12 or worse this year, I think they're going to lean towards franchise quarterback. And I don't think Rodgers is done. I don't think he's going out playing 65 seconds for the New York Jets and calling it quits. Yeah, here's the thing, though. If you're if you're the Jets and you go 5-12, and 12, let's say, hypothetically speaking, um, you know, and you decide to take that young quarterback of the future, why, if you're the Jets, why would you, why, would you move on from Aaron Rodgers? Because yeah, I you knew that. I knew you were going to kill my. I knew you were going to be a killjoy with that. I have no comeback. <laughs> I'm just saying it's and possible. You, and 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 I'm surprised at you, Ross, because you more than anybody else that I've known have always been a proponent of letting the young quarterback sit behind the veteran. Oh, I'm a huge proponent right? of it. Huge. Right. So if the Jets do end up drafting like a Drake May, let's say if they fall enough this season to be in a position to take him next spring or Shador Sanders or whoever, uh, you know, there would be no, no harm in bringing Aaron Rodgers back because you're still, you know, you bring Aaron Rodgers back in 2024 and you figure that he's healthy and ready to go. You still have a team that's equipped to win right now because you still have a really good defense in theory and some weapons on offense um, so you can kind of play both ends of the aisle where you can have that young quarterback sit behind Aaron Rodgers and and you're still you're still in a position where you can compete and contend and try and win with Aaron Rodgers as your starting quarterback. All kidding and joking aside, no matter how he does it, whether it's through witchcraft or modern medicine, I do <laughs> wish I do wish Aaron Rodgers well. You don't like to see the top talent 
or really anybody in any sport get injured. So I hope he comes back. I hope he plays well, and I hope he goes out on his own terms because that's just a a stupid and pitiful way for anybody to go out. And look, if it wasn't so painful being a Vikings fan, I think I'd feel worse for Jets fans. I just just don't, you know, welcome to the world that we live in pretty much (laughs) every day of our life as Vikings and Minnesota sports fans. One way I make my world better each and every morning is with a nice, warm, hot cup of Beans Coffee. They support Minnesota Sports Chat, so you should support them. Help them help you. How do you do that? Well, you get yourself some Beans Coffee at coffeebybeans.com. Roast for everybody. Light, medium, and dark. I'm now testing out. I wouldn't even say testing out. I'm really loving that three-minute now that I started. Got to have a little bit of a palate cleanser. I've been on that Profectus blend for quite some time. But uh, rest assured, Manny Hill, the next bag up. You know, in the NFL, it's next man up. The next bag up when I'm done with this three-minute, we're back to crushing that Profectus blend. Man, do I love that. Such great stuff. Coffeebybeans.com is where you go. There you can order by the bag if you want to test it out. Or set up a coffee subscription if you already have tested it out and now you know how good it is. Yeah, coffeebybeans.com. Promo code SPORTSCHAT will save you at checkout. They ship anywhere for free on all orders of $35 or more. Coffeebybeans.com. Promo code SPORTSCHAT. Manny, your gophers are 2-0. and you and I, I think we agreed a lot via text, but maybe slightly disagreed. I was, I thought the Gophers actually, I left the Eastern Michigan game. I felt okay about it. I mean, aside from the scoreboard and maybe the scoreboard says they did dominate the game. I get the, the offense gets a little boring. This is just what PJ Fleck always does against non-conference foes that he thinks they should beat. But this year, and specifically this game against Eastern Michigan, I think the Gophers were running the ball over and over again, trying to establish what they know they're going to have to be able to do when they get to the Big Ten schedule. On the flip side, I would like to see him air the ball out a little bit more because you have a quarterback who is still relatively inexperienced, and I would have liked to have won that game by more than 19 points. By the way, Manny Hill... Really bad beat for anybody who had the Gophers plus 20. Like, comically bad as the Gophers are tripping all over themselves at the one-yard line to cover the spread. Overall, Manny, the offense, whatever. It is what it is at this point. P.J. Fleck teams historically get better as the season goes on. I expect that this one will, especially offensively. I'm I'm okay with the 2-0 start. I would have liked to have seen more against Eastern Michigan, but I wasn't super disappointed in how the game played out. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you just want to get the win, right? And you want to make sure that guys are healthy and, you know, you're, you're not dealing with um, anything that can kind of challenge your depth uh, for when you get into the Big Ten season. Here's the here's the issue that I have, though. Because, I, you know, and I, I'm, I'm trying to think more... I, I think you know winning the game is is absolutely important um, in terms of you just want to win as many games as you can in, in any given season. For me, though, I'm just looking at big picture wise. 
And and look, PJ has forgotten more football than I could ever even dream of knowing. God, I love when people say that phrase because I steal that all the time. It's such <laughs> it's such a great fa- uh, phrase for schlubs like us who are just watching games and behind a microphone. Yeah, and you know, I I, I just the issue that I have is I want to see this team somehow, some way, get to a point where where you go into a game against a Michigan and an Ohio state and you're thinking to yourself, man, they could, they got a shot. It's not likely that they win, but they got a shot. I just Ross, I just really struggle to, to see them even competing with a Michigan or Ohio state with, with this style of football. Well, you can't, you just, you just, you just can't. And you're never going to be able to, unless you, kind of evolve i understand wanting to you know especially with a team like ohio state that's supposed to have this high-powered offense at year in and year out if you can run the ball and control the clock and limit their possessions that's 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 ideal but you're, you're not always going to be able to just stop them you know you've, you've got to be able to to throw the ball to give yourself a chance to to stay in a game with them because if you if you're playing Michigan and Ohio State and you fall down 17 to nothing, the game's over. Yeah. Yep. With the, with this style of play, the game's over. You got no shot. It's done. Correct. And I think the argument, Manny, so you started going there, is the argument is shrink the game, keep it close. Yeah. However, inevitably, more than likely, you're going to be put in a situation in that game where, I mean, maybe not inevitably, but it's likely that you will get the ball with I don't know, two minutes and 47 seconds left. You'll be on the 17 yard line. You'll be down by seven. And now you're asking a team that historically runs the ball two thirds of the time to go 83 yards in two and a half minutes, primarily through the air. And, and how and, many times? Have and that's a tough this, ask. And how many times have we seen that? Not even with a Michigan or Ohio state with, with somebody like Iowa, an, Illinois, right there, an, an Illinois, Illinois, a Purdue, <laughs> Purdue, whoever, I mean, Wisconsin, like if you get into these close games with the teams that you can compete with and, you know, you're not going to be able to beat these teams 25 to six, like you beat Eastern Michigan on Saturday. (laughs) Like you get into big 10 play, those games are going to be close. They're going to be really competitive. And yeah, if you're up 20 to 13 with two and a half minutes left, yeah. The, the style of play is perfect for you because you can run the ball and chew, chew clock and run things out and win the game. But if you're down 20 to 13, that ain't going to work, man. You got to be able to throw the ball down the field. And I think Ethan Kaliagmanis has the potential to be a pretty prolific passer. He's got, he's got the physical tools to be able to do that. But when he's throwing the ball 15 times against a team that he should be able to be pretty – prolific of a passer against it's just disappointing because I just I I think that there's I think there's a there's a capability of much more with with what they have I know they don't have Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson at wide receiver anymore they don't even have Chris Oppen Bell (laughs) I know I know I know but the other side of that though Ross is how do you get – there's only one way where you can get even some sort of a semblance of that. 
you got to throw the ball a little right. more, man. And then, you got to try. And then if you're trying to evolve the passing game, well, one way to do that is to actually throw more to convince kids to come here because what kid's going to want to come here if they're passing 15 times a game? Gophers take on North Carolina this upcoming Saturday at a dentist's favorite time, Tooth Hurdy in Chapel Hill. I'm looking forward to seeing what Joe Rossi's defense looks like against Drake May. That could that could be an awful Russ, awful lot of fun. Ross, that might be a game on Saturday that might be a game where you're gonna have yeah. to throw the ball more. You're going up against a quarterback that's gonna be a, a top half of the first that's gonna get picked in the top half of the first round most likely next spring. It's I mean, t- you're going to have to be able to com- you're going to have to be able to match that if you're going to win. It's a tall task for the Gophers, but it's not completely unwinnable if the defense does its job. But the offense is going to have to obviously not turn the ball over and be well balanced. And hey, maybe this is classic PJ Fleck. Maybe they won two games winning the way that they thought they could win without showing a lot. And then they're going to get to North Carolina and be throwing the ball all over the field. Who knows? We'll find out I would Saturday. Love to see it. At 2.30, Daniel House joins me later this week for a review preview edition of Gophers football. Let's close with this, Manny. The Minnesota Twins still have a seven and a half game lead in the American League Central as we record on September 12th. I finally am willing to say, Manny, I think it's over. I think your Minnesota Twins are American League Central champions. Magic number, I think down to 11, correct? 11 or 12 as of as of record time. Yeah. They're, they're going to win the division as much as Dick Bramer wants to make you believe they're not going to catch the uh, AL West leader. So the twins are going to play in the wild card round, maybe against Toronto, maybe against Texas. We'll see. I still Manny for as up and down as this team's been Royce, Will, Royce Willis, geez, Royce Lewis has kind of brought an air of confidence to this team where I feel like, I don't know if they can win a series. I, I think when you're the home team, even if, the teams that you're playing are statistically better and they have more wins. I'd like to think that you can win the wild card round, but it's the same for me that it's always been just end that stupid playoff losing streak. If you win the series, great. Just win your division, hang your banner, which yes, even though it's a putrid division still matters Win your division, win a playoff game. And let's honestly start building this thing going forward to be a year in and year out contender and hit the ball. You know, when you get to the playoffs, can it just hit hit the ball? Do you hear Mackie I mean, and Judd bring up the Twins haven't scored more than four runs in a playoff game since like two thousand and four? Yeah, and think about think about all the the kind of kind of explains why you never win playoff games, right? Right. Well, and think about all the frustrations that we've had about the quality of starting pitching when the team when the team gets to the playoffs, and those complaints have been valid. Okay, so I'm not trying to downplay it, but. The other side of the coin is like they ain't been hitting either. I mean, the Bomba squad was completely shut down in that Yankee series in 2019. I mean, forget about Randy Dobnek starting game two in Yankee Stadium. That was bad enough, but they didn't hit in that game either. And they didn't hit in game three at Target Field either. And that's why they got swept. So you got to score some runs. And this is an offense that was a little sketchy at the start of the year. And we'll see if it kind of see if it gets going in the playoffs. It's still very hit and miss, but it's been a lot better. At least they're not striking out 15 times a game. Most nights it's become a bit more palatable to watch Manny. You're on the X machine. It still sounds dirty. When I say that, I just really don't like saying that you're on the X machine. What are you at and where can people find you? 
Yeah, there's so many directions I could go there with, with that whole. That's a that's a conversation for another day. Uh, follow me on the <laughs> follow me on there at uh, at Manny Hill eight four. Wonderful, Manny, you're my guy. I'll actually see you in the flesh here in just a few days. So looking forward to it. Thank you for doing this. We'll fulfill the Manny quota again at some point in October. Okay. Sounds good to me, my friend. At Manny Hill 84 I'm just going to say the Twitter machine because when I say the X machine, that sounds like something you'll get into a lot of trouble if you search in your uh, Google browser. Manny Hill, simply one of the best. Uh, not just good at talking in broadcasting and podcasts on the radio, but just a great human being. So follow him on the Twitter machine. Thank you for finding me, whether it be via YouTube or whatever podcast platform you're listening in. I appreciate it. I'm Ross Brendel saying thank you so much. Back again later this week in this feed with Mr. Daniel House from Gopher's Guru.